Welcome back to the Fam Lab. It's a new year. It's a new you. It's a new family. Same old Fam Lab, though. Hey, we're actually secrets of the trade here. Recording this a week before Christmas, but you're hearing it sometime in January 2020. Speaking of January, we have got three episodes coming out this month that are actually featuring our, uh, I want to call them headliners. That's probably not the right word, but uh, featuring our keynote speakers, thank you, Mikey, uh, from our Fam Lab 2K19, and so that you can get excited about the family conference that we have uh, going on in 2020. Uh, so, Matt, would you introduce Ross Cochran? Uh, he was one of our keynote speakers last year. Uh, tell us some about him, and then you'll actually get to hear some of his keynote presentation from our 2019 family conference. Thanks, Barrett. We are blessed to have. Ross Cochran with us last year. Ross has taught at Harding University for over 30 years and has uh, twice received their Distinguished Teacher Award and he has served churches uh, across the United States as well as directing uh, Camp Dakota, Harding University Summer Camp. Uh, he holds a PhD in Religious Education and Pastoral Ministry from Boston College and we're sure that you'll enjoy this clip of Ross teaching us at last year's family conference. Hey, do us a favor, rate, review, and subscribe to the Fam Lab podcast. You can follow us on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you want to, double up. That's what I do, just to make sure that, you know, we get that ad money so that's worth coming in here. Um, but you definitely are going to want to leave us a uh, five-star review and uh, or rating, I guess, and subscribe. Just share on social media. That goes a really long way. That means a lot to us. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into it. Here's Dr. Ross Cochran. I was so relieved when this occurred to me that the best people in the world the best ones in history or now living were all, without exception, reared by imperfect parents. Do you say reared or raised here? I understand you raise pigs, you rear children. That's what I was told. But. So the best people in the whole world were reared by imperfect parents. Every one of them, there are no exceptions to that. So give yourself a break, okay? You're doing the best you can. And secondly, the best parents in the world reared imperfect children. And there are no exceptions to that. There are no exceptions to that. And I hope just those two kind of little observations uh, will give you hope. David Elkind claims that childhood has a task to perform. That childhood, the period of life called childhood, has something to perform in a child's life. And if we rush that if we put too much pressure on them and don't let them be children for a long enough time, it, it has some pretty uh, bad effects. Uh, we want to communicate uh, value to children, but we don't want to become helicopter parents or lawnmower parents, you know, people that you go in front of your kid and knock all the barriers down. Okay. Uh, there's other ways to be, I think we're too much in this culture, a child-centered culture. It's too much. We don't want to give kids the idea that they're the center of the world for several reasons, one of which puts a lot of pressure on them. Well, to, be, to live in God relationships is part of our divine design. Um, and some foundational truths about that. Our deepest real need is for relationship with God. Ecclesiastes, where this chapter 3 says, there's a time for this, a time for that, and a time for that, right? 
And in verse 11, it says, God has put a burden on humanity. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's created this time-bound universe. There's seasons. There's night and day, and etc. We live in a time-bound environment, a material environment. But it says the burden is that God has put eternity in our hearts. God has put a hunger in our hearts for the eternal and yet put us in an environment where nothing we can see can satisfy that. And part of that hunger is for uh, relationship. Well, <clears throat> our felt needs are also relational in nature. The need for companionship, the need for security. Will others be faithful to me or abandon me? The need for significance. Do other people look at me and think I'm valuable? I, I talk to a lot of people who, who are my age or roughly my age, early 60s. And um, they're wondering about their life, if it was significant or not. I, I wonder what a midlife crisis is, if it's not in part looking at your life to that point and saying, did I do anything important? Have I done what I'm supposed to do with a life? Uh, Mark Twain said there's two important moments in your life, two important days. One is the day of your birth, and the second is the day you realize what you were born for. And we were made uh, for relationships. I love this book by Harold Kushner. When all you've ever wanted isn't enough. The Search for a Life That Matters. Really good book, a few years old. Kind of reflections on Ecclesiastes. He said, it's not our fear of death that haunts our sleep. It's our fear that having lived, our life will not have mattered. If a tree falls in the forest and there's no one to hear it, does it make a sound? If a person lives... And then dies and no one remembers if the world's not any different because of their presence in it. Have they really lived? And there's something deep within us that we're looking for significance. My observation is when people are at their end, yours too, I bet. They don't say, man, I wish I'd have worked more. I wish I would have golfed more. I wish I would have owned more. What do they say? I wished I would have loved more. I wished I would have paid more attention to the people. Isn't that right? I wished I would have loved more. That's what they say. And they want to be remembered. People want to be remembered. My practice is when I know somebody's dying, if I can't get to them physically, I get on the phone to them, if, if at all possible. I'll call somebody in the room and say, would you put the phone to their ear? And if I can, I only want to be sincere when I say this. But I want to say to them, as long as I have the ability to remember, because I can't say as long as I live, right? My fear is when I get dementia, my kids won't notice. <laughs> Anything different about dad? No, not really. So I can't promise that. But as long as I have the ability to remember, I'm going to remember. And I try to name a very specific instance or quality that when I think of that person, that's what I think of. And I tell them. If I'm present in the room, I'll lean over their bed and whisper in their ear. And he may, as long as I have the ability to remember, I'm going to remember that day you said this to me. And what a big difference that's made. People want to know if their lives matter, and that's relationship. Our relationships that are life-giving are not automatic. They need maintenance and protection. Uh, we sometimes talk about boundaries, protection, right? 
Boundaries, think of the fence around your backyard if you, if you have one. It, it tells you what's your responsibility and what's not your responsibility. Uh, I'm 60s, and one of the things I'm working on uh, is trying not to be responsible for some of the emotions in my family. Okay. I, I can't be that for them, right? Um, uh, boundaries, uh, flirt with your wife, flirt with your spouse, and sleep in your house. Those are boundaries. They protect uh, your, your relationship. There's some relationship torpedoes there. Uh, the sources of our greatest pain are connected to relationships. I would also say the sources of our greatest joys are relational in nature. If you don't believe it, ask people who have grandbabies. Yeah, they'll tell you. Much of our behavior is an attempt to cope with relational disappointment. Had a girl in class, I mean, it was a summer class, it was a small class, and we were in groups, and I don't know how this came up. But whatever we were discussing, she, in this group of three or four, I was in that circle, she, she said this to me. She said, I always knew, my sister and I always knew that my daddy didn't want to have kids. He wasn't abusive to us. He wasn't mean to us. We just knew. He would have rather not have had children. We became pregnant when my mom quit taking birth control. We became born. She became born, became pregnant when she quit taking birth. I always knew. And she said, so I've spent a lot of my life in the back seat of automobiles with young men looking for the acknowledgement and the love that really I should have gotten from my daddy. It's a classic story. Much of our behavior is an attempt to cope with relational disappointment. Some people feel invisible. Some teens sometimes feel invisible to their parents. They don't feel significant. They don't feel noticed. They don't feel affirmed. Uh, I'm fond of saying it seems that all people want to know and to be known. We want to know other people and be known by them. That satisfies our desire for community. We want to love and to be loved. That satisfies our desires for security and intimacy. And we want to bless others and be blessed by others, which is addressing our hunger for generativity. Uh, children are formed uh, by the examples they see. Your children will do what you do before they'll do what you say. They will do what you do. And if you dads or moms are screaming from the bleachers during the basketball game, you're inflicting more damage on your child than you, have, than you know. You're embarrassing them, whether they tell you that or not. But more importantly, you're sending signals about what's important and about how you conduct yourself. Okay? Children will do what you, they see before they'll do what you say. Other adults, in addition to their parents, uh, need men, uh, uh, in addition to their parents, uh, teens need mentors to speak truth into their lives. I'm often at the table. Uh, now that Nita's gone, I don't know if people think I'm more available uh, for dinner or uh, just need uh, to be fed more. I noticed that Jesus went to dinner with the Pharisees, right? He got invited by a Pharisee in Luke 7, went to dinner, goes to dinner with the tax collectors. And I thought, man, that Jesus can relate to anybody. But Jesus was also a single man, and we never say no to any dinner invitation. <laughs> so I'm often at the table of Joey and Emily Myers, and there are five girls... 13 down to 8-year-old twins. Uh, Joy's about 6 foot 6, wears a mohawk, 
and uh, we think we might be related. Uh, if you see the, res- if you could imagine the resemblance. So the kids call me Uncle Ross. I love it. But I'm not at that dinner table uh, for dinner. Uh, I mean, I love, I love eating with them, but I want a voice in the lives of those kids. Not because Joy and Emily aren't sufficient parents. They are. I want to have a voice in the lives of children because children and teens need other adults in addition to their parents to speak truth into their lives, to mentor them, to love them. Sometimes you know this from your own childhood, right? You sometimes can't hear it from your parents. And so they need others as well. One of our jobs as parents is to tend to the spirits of our children. How they think about themselves and how they think about us. So we've got to look in the mirror. We've got to say, how do our children experience us? I love Randy Willingham's notion. Ross, the way that I experience you, I've never been experienced before, I didn't think. But what he's saying is that there's this, when we relate to each other, these are the signals I get from you. I once asked my middle son, he was a little boy, and I said, uh, and of course, you know, the middle child, and the, the oldest son in my family, Chris, is a, sets goals, has high expectations, very driven, etc. typical firstborn. Uh, and Alan's much more flying to the radar, kind of typical uh, middle child. And, and so one time I thought, how can I make sure that I'm paying sufficient attention to Alan? So I went to his bedside, and I said, and I thought about how I want to ask this question. I do want to say, Alan, am I a good dad or not? Because... A, he doesn't know. It puts a lot of pressure on a kid because I'm feeding him, right? He has to answer that a certain way. <laughs> Alan, if I were a better father to you than I am now, what would be happening more often? And he knew the answer right away. You'd spend more time with me. What am I doing there? I'm trying to, how are you experiencing me as a dad? How are you experiencing me as a husband? Nita, what are your love languages these days? If I were a better husband to you, say the next five years, if I were growing as a husband, coach me. What three things would you like to see more present in my life, your relation, our relationship? Ask them. Uh, I, I'm embarrassed to look back on how little I knew about being a husband and a father. I grew up in a strong home, but the things that I, I, I wanted to have on board just weren't there uh, until some degree much later. Maybe, maybe you know what you're doing <laughs> as a spouse, as a parent, but if you don't, ask the people that know you in those roles. You know, okay, I'm thinking I'm about, about a seven as a dad. I want to be an eight. Tell me how I can get there. And don't be defensive. No matter what they say, go, thank you very much. If you need to respond to that some way, you can later. Ask them, if I were a better husband, if I were a better father, if I were a better mother, if I were a better wife, what would you be seeing more of? What would better look like? Great question. Take your spouse to dinner. Listen, I, I, I want us to do well. I want to do better. What would better look like for you in our marriage and the way you experience me as a spouse? Wow, wasn't that great? I love Dr. Cochran. A uh, lot of good 
info there for sure. Let's open it up for a little FamLab roundtable discussion. How did it make you feel? What'd you like? What'd you not like? Roslyn? Well, I mean, Dr. Cochran, let me just say this. I am so jealous that my, that Matt had a chance to sit in his class and get all of that great wisdom and Bible knowledge. He just knows so much. And, you know, I will add that my daughter just completed a, one of his Bible classes. She's a freshman at Harding University. And it was absolutely her most favorite class this past semester. That's cool. And he's just, he's the real deal. I mean, he... Uh, invited them all to his house for dinner, and they sat around after dinner in his living room, and he talked about his sweet wife, and he just, it, it brought back everything that he talked about last year and how relationships are so important, and he lives that out, you know, with his family and his community and, and with the students in his class, and I just love that about Dr. Cochran. He definitely has some uh, real life experience to pair with what he's teaching and preaching. Uh, he's not afraid to uh, also live it, like you said, which is really important. One of the things that you know makes that particular talk so uh, unique and powerful is you know the blending of the practical with the uh, theological. You know the emphasis on the fact that we serve a relational God, a God that is. Uh, Father, Son, and Spirit, and that that sets the tone for our entire uh, approach to relationships and thinking about just how important those are uh, in our in our lives. But I know that we all, you know, had some different notes about uh, the significance of relationships. Anyone have something that stood out from a a significance of relationship standpoint? Yeah, I I wrote down. I mean, a couple pages of. Uh, things that I wanted to just remember that he said, and um, one in particular that he kind of posed this question is, do our kids feel noticed, significant, and affirmed by us? As parents, are we are we actually you know affirming our kids and the things that they are good at or that, that they're just a good person? Um, are, are we giving them a feeling of significance that they are important to the family, they're important to, you know, just being... Uh, around other people like sometimes we are so focused on their achievements or so focused on um, what they should or should not be doing rather than just saying you know I really I'm really glad that you're part of this family you know I, I, I love you just all those things that they we all need to hear but kids need to hear more because um, they're constantly questioning you know um, what their significance is and you know are they noticing are they being noticed by other people um, and so that was a great, great thing that he that he mentioned for us to just be reminded of. I love that point too, Kyle. So thanks for bringing that up. I also thought it was a good reminder uh, when he mentioned how there are no perfect parents; that every parent is imperfect, and how he even pointed out so many examples of biblical families that weren't perfect and that things didn't go perfectly for them. And that is a good good reminder for all of us that we're going to make mistakes, but we can still have a, a good outcome in the end if we're 
keep trying. And he also mentioned, though, that parenting isn't foolproof, that, that it's not fail-safe, that even parents with the best intentions, there isn't always a, a perfect outcome. But giving ourselves and our kids a lot of room for grace and for learning and for growth. I think on, on those lines, I know, like Kyle mentioned, you know, we have to think about just how much, like as adults, like I know I still struggle with thinking about significance and I'm still, you know, having to practice positive self-talk and, and have people around me that, you know, provide me with, um, you know, praise and, you know, speak that particular love language of positive affirmation and just, you know, I think we have to remember even how much more we needed that when we were younger. And and I know that we can all get so busy that, you know, it requires some real intentionality to actually pour those messages into our our own kids or our students or the people that uh, we come in contact with. But it's just, I think the people that truly get that you know, realize that their words have impact and that, you know, even the simplest thing that they say, you know, he's shared the story about, you know, what seems like a time in which most people shy away from speaking into someone's life, like kind of at the end. And, and, you know, he was talking about how he wanted to double down on, you know, making sure they realized their significance. And, and I think that, you know, we're called to be people who encourage and, and that's a part of our calling as Christians for sure. I thought that was a really interesting point. And, you know, it helped me in a way that was kind of unintentional when I listened uh, back at this, that, you know, sometimes we struggle at the end of someone's life, what to say, and just to think, just talk about those memories and those things that are special, how comforting that is. Uh, to people, and how um, just we need to recognize the need to know our value. I thought that was a real important part, and at the end of our life, certainly that is true, but all through our lives, we need to recognize that. And I did want to say, too, that he recommended a TED Talk, uh, and it was Brene Brown's TED Talk on being uh, vulnerable. And I actually went back and listened to that. And I, I recommend that, too. I thought it was really good. But she talks a lot about um, just recognizing our value and so uh, as God's children. And so I think that that is just a great point and something we need to pay more attention to. Another thing that he mentioned that I think goes along with what we're saying is that <clears throat> Children, um, and we, we all know this as parents, but children, uh, they'll do what we do, not always what we say. Um, they, they, they'll emulate that. Um, and they're, they're watching. And so the way that we are treating other people and showing significance, whether it's at uh, the last few moments of someone's life or uh, the way that we're treating a stranger or somebody else in the family, I mean, they're constantly just soaking in everything around them. And I mean, as Mikey said, we, we, this is not a fail safe thing. We were imperfect, perfect people. And, um, it, it's, it's funny. And, and at least it kind of calms me in, in a sense that when we go back to the people in the Bible and they had really messed up lives and yet we look and put them on a pedestal, we look at them and think, man, if I could have such faith like that, we as parents can be 
a great influence on our kids. And we just have to realize that, man, we mess up, but let's be vulnerable. Let's learn. Let's show our kids what it means to uh, to apologize. Let's show our kids what it means to, you know, uh, ask for forgiveness and offer forgiveness. But uh, they're just they're constantly looking on what they're supposed to do when as they get older and learning from us. And um, it's just it's just uh, something that we have to obviously keep in mind all the time. That was kind of a downer. Sorry. You know, we all need to be brought down so we can be brought back up for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, we think about trying to set, you know, patterns and rituals and, and rhythms of our family life that, that really emphasize our actions and not just our words. You know, I think about body language, about, you know, you know, and people can say, you know, we are the church, not we go to church, but I just think about, you know, when our body language about when we do bring our family to worship, you know, are we not wanting to get in the car or are we not wanting to, you know, leave whatever we're doing or, you know, are we, you know, the minute we get, you know, back home, you know, is it, are we so glad that we're home versus like, you know, the place we just came from, um, you know, it's just one, you know, example, but of, um, you know, the way we carry ourselves is going to communicate just as much as the sermon that we all just listen to, for sure. To that point, and forgive me if this was not in the excerpts that we put with this episode, but uh, he talks about helicopter parents, and that's something that Jenna and I have, as we're raising a, a toddler now, I guess a young toddler, but a toddler nonetheless, and you know, the, the body language and our habits of, okay, if he falls, do we swarm in there and make sure, you know, every boo-boo is kissed immediately or, you know, and then the, the patterns that you're talking about, Matt, of, and it's something that, uh, again, I've said on this podcast before, but, you know, are you the helicopter parent? At, what does he say? The lawnmower parent? You know, you're a foot ahead and you're mowing down every obstacle, uh, again, not sure if you guys heard that, so I'll take credit for it. Um, but Ross uses that one and, um, you know, talk about the the fire truck parent, you know, just racing to every, um, you know, scraped knee and every problem that they come into contact with at school and that sort of thing. Um, it does a really good job of, hey, we're, we're meant for a relationship. We are built for that. And you can also take that uh, too far, or it can be the wrong type of relationship. Uh, I know that's something I struggle with and that I want my son, uh, you know, in my mindset right now is like, I really want him to be one of my best friends. And I want to be, you know, in a really happy, healthy relationship with him. And it's also already sad to think about at some point, I'm going to have to give him so much space and distance, and we're going to have to work through so many tough things. So, um, I just like the, the thought of, and kind of the nicknames that he gave those, those were really fun. Uh, and I think worth thinking about, especially as we're kind of, you know, January, I guess we're starting a new semester. Uh, maybe there's new classes in your school or in your students' school life and things that are going on. Um, you know, we may be tempted to step in and to uh, kind of take over some obstacles or, uh, you know, feel like we have to stay up studying with them. Uh, that's not necessarily the case. It doesn't mean you're a bad parent. Something else, Dr. Cochran uh, reminded us about is about letting young children be kids. Let that let children be children, and not putting 
adult expectations on them when they're young, but leading them to that that increasing responsibility and that sort of thing too. But I think that sometimes we do forget that they're little and that they're just learning and that the mistakes that they make are part of that learning process. And I think that's always a good reminder to stop stop and think about that for a little bit. I just love that he brought focus back to the fact that God made us for relationships. And I think that oftentimes as parents, we want so much for our children and everything out there just clouds the fact that what we really should want is a great relationship with our children and to help foster their relationship with God. And so that is the thing that we need to shine a light on, to keep focus on, and to not let all the other things in the world kind of cloud uh, what we're what we're doing and what our focus is. I think that's a great point for us to uh, to wrap up on for sure. Uh, Barrett's going to send us out here in just a second, but uh, remember, you know, first part of the year we're all compelled to want to set goals, but do so with grace and set goals. Uh, with grace, but it is important to talk to your family about what matters in your family. And so maybe use January as a time to not only listen to them about what their goals are, but to maybe uh, set some some intentional things that you're wanting to do uh, with your family. That's awesome. We were just talking to some of our high school teens um, that work with the Fam Lab about being generous this time of year. And again, I know you're hearing this in January, but uh, being generous with your grace, your forgiveness, your mercy, with your attention, your attitude, all of those really good things um, would be a great way to start the new year. Uh, remember, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, help us out at the Fam Lab by giving us a uh, positive review, sharing on social media. You can email us at hellofamlab at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We would love to know if this podcast is beneficial in any way, what you liked, um, any suggestions that you have for making this a better podcast, for making this more accessible. Um, we also have a Facebook page, so you can find us on Facebook. Uh, you can get in contact with us over there as well. Again, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Rate, review, subscribe. See you next episode.